This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, We are talking about our latest new reality with Omicron. Uh, We are under restrictions that just came into effect yesterday. Uh, It's really hitting the restaurant industry hard. It's hitting people hard if they had plans that they were really looking forward to that are now on hold. Uh, But still, we're in a better place than we were a year ago. That is for sure. I am talking to James Rylette, the Vice President at Restaurants Canada, Court des Hotels from the Neighbourhood Group of Companies, which operates four restaurants in Guelph and one in Kitchener, and Dr. Timothy Sly, who is a regular epidemiologist contributor here. And Dr. Sly, I mean, you've said if we do the full lockdown thing, maybe we could make this go away. But with these compromised restrictions, do you have any kind of handle on, you know, a time frame? A time frame, my goodness. Uh, I wish I did. I think that the... uh, the, uh, We've never seen this. I mean, I've been teaching about pandemics globally, and the one we always thought was the 1918 uh, influenza pandemic back then. Uh, to study how society responded to that. Of course, they had no real testing. They didn't even know what a virus was really back then. Nobody would ever be able to find one. There was no uh, medication that worked, uh, no testing at all. And they managed to get through it, but their, 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 uh, their case fatality rate was about 2.5% instead of about 1% for us. So it was worse for them back then. But they managed to get through it. They held on to it. Um, in in this particular case, we've never seen the rate of growth for any uh, virus, even theoretically, that we've seen of this one. It's just astronomical, shooting upwards. So who knows? One one possibility is if it goes up that fast, maybe it'll come down equally fast as well. But what damage will it do in the meantime? I think it's a discussion as well with uh, with hospitality industry is that we really need to look after these folks. Let's let's forget talking about loss of profits. We're talking about survival and and the and the and the families of of the people working for them too. I mean, don't ever forget those poor souls. So remember, during the war, you may parents may have told people about the war bonds. Governments wanted to make money, so they sold war bonds. People bought them, guaranteed for the future, and that's how they made more money. I think we should do something like that to uh, to compensate uh, an industry that's been so battered as the hospitality industry. That's that's kind of a nice idea, actually. You know, you mentioned 1918, uh, the great uh, influenza pandemic. They had three waves. Like, we're on to wave number five. That's right. Yeah, there were a few ripples. This this one's gone on far longer than that one. Uh, and in fact, it may not be the end. But one thing I think is that if we get through this wave, unless a really a really horrible variant comes along that that uh, that spreads as rapidly and evades almost all the vaccines i mean that's the nightmare situation it's even worse than this one unless that happens i think this is probably the last major wave i'm going to stick my neck out there and say that because the vaccination rates in canada are getting very high indeed we'll have a kind of a residual resistance to future uh, variants unless they're really bad and i think this may be the last wave i've got my fingers crossed (coughs) sorry um james rylette or court um in the, in in the previous lockdowns a lot of restaurants pivoted quite successfully to takeout now is that something that you can do quickly or ramping up to more takeout than you'd been doing recently i mean how easy or difficult is that as an option now um i think it's 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 
it's easy because it's it's the infrastructure is there. It's not like when the first time when the shutdowns happen, if you didn't have delivery or those mechanisms set up um, internally, you, we most restaurants have those set up now. And so for us just to flip the switch or to, you know, for example, all New Year's Eve dinners, which we, you know, rely on for, for dining guests being a, being a, you know, dining restaurant, we've made sure that when we were designing those, for the most part, most of the items are all geared towards takeout as well. So we could switch over. And I think lots of restaurants have become very, um, you know, adaptive to those um to these things that we, we you can see coming on the horizon. And that, you know, the takeout only only will cover so much. It doesn't make up the majority of our sales uh, for, for most of our locations. And so right now we're really relying on gift cards. So we're just hoping those, the folks that were canceling their uh, holiday Christmas parties, they had it in their budget, hopefully they're able to reward their their teams with, with some gift cards. And we put some nice packages together as well, too, so we can you know, package up a bottle of wine, um, a nice gift card. Uh, we even do handwritten cards for people, and then we'll, we'll we'll drive them off to their and drop them off at their office for them, so the staff can come and pick them up, or they can at least you know give them a happy holiday uh, gift uh, just before we get into uh, January. And it's interesting, you know, I don't think I've ever seen as many uh, ads or, or emails about uh, New Year's dinners than I have in the lead-up to this year, James Rowlett. Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, um, <laughs> there, there, it is part of the pivot, and, and we're trying to uh, do whatever we can. And I, I think Court was right to... Um, it, Things like uh, uh, things like uh, gift cards and, and other things will will help uh, more than takeout and delivery because as we've seen, I, I think we see the numbers. Those restaurants that had a, a viable takeout and delivery option before the pandemic did the best. So it, it's harder to to uh, pivot, but uh, you know people continue on, and I think that's one thing that's changed in our industry is that the uh, takeout and delivery side of our industry will continue to grow even after the pandemic. Okay, um, we are uh, almost out of time, so I'd like to go around and get some uh, get a sense of what you'd like to leave us with as we head into Christmas, James Roulette. I'd just like to say, if you have a favorite restaurant, uh, make sure you reach out to them and um, give them your best. Uh, if, from the mental health side, just a, a kind word and saying you're, you're behind them uh, will do a lot of uh, good. Okay. And uh, Court Hotel. You know, I'm, I'm just just want to just let everybody know how grateful I think the restaurant industry is. Uh, you know, people have really been uh, behind us, uh, supporting us through any means possible. Uh, don't stop now. I think this is the this is going to be the toughest uh, you know winter that we face so far. So if everybody can do anything from buying gift cards to, to sharing information on social media, it really goes a long way. And uh, and we're looking forward to being able to see everybody in the spring. Fingers crossed. And Dr. Timothy Sly. Yep. Great, great words there. I can just add, uh, don't let the guard down there. Let's make this the final wave. If you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. Double mask if you, if you can. Uh, all the precautions should be in place even more than they have been before. Let's, 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 wave, let's wave this thing into the rearview rear mirror pretty soon. Okay, let's hope so. And uh, Merry Christmas to all of you and, and wishing you all the best. And thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Libby. You as well, Libby. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. So why is Omicron so transmissible? That's what I'd like to know. And is there any validity to the feeling that it is less virulent? Or is that often the case because so many of us, so many people are vaccinated when they get it? Will the new capacity limits keep things in check? And what about the businesses affected by that? I'm thinking especially about restaurants. 
Many were just recouping some of their losses with holiday business, and now that's kind of shot. Like to hear from you, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now I'd like to welcome Dr. Timothy Sly, an epidemiologist and professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University, James Rylette, Vice President, Central Canada, Restaurants Canada, and Court des Hotels, the neighborhood group of companies which operates four restaurants in Guelph and one in Kitchener. Hello, everyone. Morning, Libby. Good morning. Good morning. Let us begin with Dr. Sly. So from a scientific point of view, is there any clarity about why this is so transmissible? Oh, it just does what uh, what COVID has done from the beginning, only much, much more effectively. Uh, it has master keys, if you like, to get into the cells in our body that work even without it changing its stride. It's, it works so much better, and, and it invades our mucous membrane, the nose and throat and so on, uh, much more effectively so that you breathe out more virus as well. This is the, I, if you'd asked me this about uh, six months ago, I'd said we, there's no way we could see a, a variant that could spread this rapidly. It's absolutely astonishing. The doubling time now is less than three days. I think the last measure, the last 12 hours, is about 2.7 days. It, it doubles. Uh, this is why it's shooting up astronomically. Yeah, so l- let me try to to uh, get a better understanding of that. So there's it it does something to the mucous membranes. It it goes through them quicker, or what? Am I understanding it correctly? Yeah, you know those little spiky things on the on the on the ball. We've seen those illustrations so often. They contain the the uh, the, the the point of attachment into the cells in your in your mucous membrane. So it's a bit of a hit and miss thing. A virus comes along, you breathe it in, and it may or may not be able to lock into one of your cells and then start to reproduce itself. Well, this thing does it so much more effectively and smoothly and rapidly, it, without even hesitating it's into your cells it reproduces it comes out again and then spreads to to other people uh, much more rapidly than it did before so the whole thing is just speeded up okay um, let us uh, move along to our our other guests for a moment uh, James Rylette um, what do you make of this uh, change in capacity limits I mean, it seems, you know, we have this virus that is much more transmissible now, but what's your reaction to it? Well, I guess we expected it. Uh, we're disappointed that it happened. Um, you know, restaurants were just starting to uh, feel like they had some uh, wind behind their, their sails, and uh, um, then this comes and takes it all away. Uh, this is a busy time of, of year for the restaurant industry, and it's it's a bad time to be have any restrictions on it. Um, as we've always said, we're willing to do what the government uh, um, decides is the best best to do. But, um, you know, it, it, it's difficult when you look at the numbers and, and it seems like all the outbreaks are everywhere but restaurants. And uh, yet we are the first to pay the price. So um, I guess we'll, we'll accept it, but uh, we'll, we'll hope the government uh, comes through with some support and we'll be able to move on. Uh, Court, what about your restaurants? Uh, um, you've had to cut capacity. Beyond that, have you had cancellations? Oh yes, we've had lots and lots of cancellations. Since it, it just it, our path follows whatever's going on in the media. So the more discussions there are, especially about the Omicron new variant that's coming out, we started to see you know as far as you know three weeks to uh, to a month ago. Uh, cancellations, especially a lot of group bookings. So it all depends on company policies and, and how they view, um, you know, the safety of their of their team members, which is which is great. And so we saw a lot of corporate bookings uh, reducing um, their numbers or completely canceling their uh, reservations, which mm-hmm. has been pretty devastating because it's our this is our busiest time of the year. And this is what gets us through the winter. So it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. I, I would imagine it's terrible. I mean, even even this weekend, you know, I was thinking, okay, it's Friday night. They announced these restrictions taking effect Sunday. 
and on top of losing the business, uh, I, I'm assuming that a, that a lot of restaurant owners had inventory, had food that they weren't going to be able to sell. Yeah, that's that's the case. You know, we have anywhere between you know fifty to one hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory um, sitting in our restaurants. Uh, we knew, you know, we've gone through this enough now, and so you know, as soon as we start to see, you know, news picking up on, you know, lockdowns or or what's happening around the world, we start making those adjustments. Uh, but it's still. You know, it's still a tough thing. We would still lose some items. Um, that's pretty much impossible because we're trying to guess on numbers. And as I said, you know, we're ordering. We deal with a lot of small farmers uh, as well, too. So we're ordering in advance, and we're kind of banking on on what we have for reservations. And and like I said before, these are two busiest weeks of the year. Last week and and this week, and um, you know, we'll be cut by at least fifty percent. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough, uh, Doctor Sly. Will these new restrictions stop the spread? Is it enough? It's it's a compromise, really. Um, you know, as we said before, in theory, if you go to one extreme and you say, let there be that that dreaded lockdown, the thing we experienced uh, last year, you know, where, where everybody is inside their basement, the doors bolted and nailed shut, nobody gets out for two weeks. Under those conditions, you can never achieve it, but in those conditions, you could actually see the virus die off. It would just disappear. Do it for, for a two, do it for a, like a two-week incubation period, and it would have nowhere to go. But of course, we can't do that. We still need people to drive ambulances and look after the old folks in the nursing home and the police and so on. So you're going to have. So I think the idea of the lockdown is probably the very, very last possibility. So until then, let's try and control it. Let's put, let's try not stopping the vehicle, but slowing it down as with the brake as much as possible. And that's where the mitigation comes in. We're in a much better position than we were last Christmas because we didn't have any vaccines that really into arms at all by this time last year. So we've got that as a bit of a background. But the virus is, is calling the shots here. I can't imagine a worse time. If you said, what's, what time of the year should we, should we start a new wave of the pandemic? We'd say, well, it should be exactly two weeks before Christmas when all the restaurants are ready to go, their booking lists are all full and so on. That's when you release it. I mean, can you imagine a more diabolical time for the virus to move? You know what? Diabolical is actually a really good word to describe it. I mean, it, it, it couldn't be more disappointing on so many levels. However, you know, uh, David Kravitz, uh, just uh, in the previous segment, brought up some interesting statistics. So in terms of the number of cases, we are almost at the peak from last April. However, we have one-third of the hospitalizations and one-sixth of the number of people in ICU. So what does that tell you, Dr. Sly? Well, it means that the vaccines have actually worked to a great deal. We've got, a, a, what, about 77% of the total population who've been uh, doubly vaccinated, and a lot of those have had third doses as well. So this is, this is why we're not seeing absolute despair in, in hospitals. We're not seeing hospitals boarding up the door, shouting to the keyhole, go away, because everyone is actually filled up. We're not seeing that. So this is, this is good news. Um, but, but by the same token, uh, even, if, even if it was, for example, there's been some talk about it being mild. I, don't, I think it's too early to say about that. Uh, South Africa, where the, the measurements were done, these were mainly on the younger people. The average age is much younger, a lot of natural immunity in South Africa as well. But even if it was, even if it was, say, 15% milder than the existing one, the point is that this thing is now multiplying and spreading uh, three or four times as rapidly. And so that overwhelms any slight advantage you may get by being slightly mild. Okay, let us get back to our uh, restaurant guys. Uh, so, James Rylette, in terms of planning... Um, you know, what do you have in mind for restaurants? I mean, again, you know, after these diabolical two weeks and after New Year's, uh, you generally head into a slow period. Yeah, that's. Uh, um, it's hard to say what uh, what we can plan for. Um, 
we start heading, heading into the slow period, um, we don't have the the revenue built up that we usually do, as Clark mentioned, um, and we have a t- almost two years worth of debt that's uh, accrued. So, um, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a lot more closures, a lot more bank uh, bankers saying they, they're pulling the plug. You're going to have uh, on a mental health side both uh, operators and employees saying, I, I just can't continue in this industry. And that's, that's the hard part um, is, is people, you got to remember it's people that are, are um, in these restaurants and they've gone through a roller coaster uh, much more than anybody else in this, in, in this uh, um, pandemic. So we really need to keep the mental health uh, part, uh, be aware of it and uh, try and help restaurateurs as much as possible. Uh, Court, what do you have to say about that? How uh, how are your staff feeling? And again, what kind of planning are you trying to do for the new year? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a really tough one for our staff right now because they've gone through this so much, and we lost a lot of our staff, obviously, from the first lockdown. And you can see in the news reports all about the sh- staff shortages that we're facing. Uh, we're fortunate we've, we've, we've kept a lot of our, of our key personnel, but you've, there's a breaking point. And going into the holidays is incredibly, incredibly tough for them right now. It's tough for the restaurateurs, but the, the employees are the ones who are really bearing the brunt of it because there's just not enough hours to support them. And the, and the, the biggest difference right now um, from the other lockdowns we, we face is that we don't really have the subsidies right now. So the governments haven't announced any subsidies that we're going to be able to receive. Right now, the threshold to achieve, to be able to receive any subsidy is, is, a, is a reduction in revenue of 40, you know, 40% in the restaurant industry, 50% in, in other industries. And so, you know, we were building up for a month of, of good sales, even with losing these, you know, these next couple of weeks. You know, these are our top you know, five busiest days of the year, uh, New Year's Eve, and you've got all the Christmas bookings. And just knowing that that revenue is not there, it still won't bring us down to the, you know, to below 40%. So essentially, all of our rents the same, our utilities are the same, um, you know, our tax rates are all, all, all the same. Um, so this is going to be a really tough, really tough winter. And as James pointed out, you're going to see people who are on the brink already. This is going to be the final straw. And you're going to see a mass amount of closures come the new year, unfortunately. Uh, well, yes, um, that's hard to contemplate. Um, we need to talk about this more, but first we've got to take another break. We'll be back on the other side of it. And let me give the numbers out again. If uh, people you want to uh, talk, ask questions about this variant of the virus or uh, let let us know, have you canceled Trips to restaurants. Um, what are you doing? 416 360 toll free 1 866 740 We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday, time for our Zoomer Squad. What are you doing for Christmas? Have you changed your holiday plans? What about the shopping? And what about the disappointment? Most of us were looking forward to an almost normal, and then came Omicron. And what about those of us hoping to get together and ensure our safety by using rapid tests. They are very hard to come by, at least if you want to get the free ones handed out by the province. We, of course, would like to hear from you, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'd like to bring in our Zoomer squad, David Kravitz, Vice President, Zoomer Media, and Chief Membership Officer of CARP, Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and John Wright, Executive Vice President of Maru Public Opinion. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hi, Libby. 
Uh, let's begin with Bill. Bill, have you uh, adjusted your plans? Yes, we have adjusted our uh, plans, and most of our friends have two uh, very uh, uh, deflating uh, for many people and the topic of conversation among uh, uh, older Canadians these days. So what are you doing now? What had you been planning? Well, we were uh, planning to get together with uh, a larger group of uh, friends uh, just after uh, Christmas. We are also planning to uh, uh, go to a smaller but still hopefully enjoyable New Year's party. And both of those events have been canceled and we'll be limiting ourselves to uh, visit with uh, family only. And uh, David, did you have plans that you canceled? And for very modest uh, to begin with, we were going to have a Christmas Eve dinner um, with what would have been a total of seven uh, people, including our household. And now it's going to be five. One, one, my sister and her husband aren't coming. But, um, you know, we, we weren't going to any big parties. We were going to stay in and keep it small, and it's still going to be small. Well, exactly. I mean, it, it seems to me that even people who were planning something small are now going smaller. Uh, John Wright, uh, you have your pulse on these things. I think we have uh, two things to report from this household. Number one is that uh, we actually have a case of COVID inside of our house as of Monday. Wow. A university student brought it back from Halifax. St. of X had a big, <clears throat> a big uh, ring ceremony where 2,000 people showed up uh, a week or so ago. He goes to Dalhousie, but we noticed on Tuesday after he arrived that he had a bit of a upper airway croak, but and when tested, he tested positive, and he's been in the basement uh, since. But um, it hit like a freight train. I got to tell you, um, he is double vaxxed, and this temperature um, went to about 105 and a half. Oh my goodness! Over the course of about eight hours, and then it slackened off and left him you know, uh, with a fever until it normalized yesterday. So that's, what, four and a half, five days of a fever, achy bones, everything else. And he seems to have regained his appetite. But, I mean, we're talking about a six-foot-two, incredibly healthy individual um, who who just knocked the stuffings out. But we uh, self you know, we isolated in the upper half of the house, and we're fine. I mean, there's no symptoms or anything else, and we'll go get tested. But what that's led in our house to do is, we were going to go and visit uh, Grandma and Grandpa up in the Ottawa Valley, and that's now gone. <clears throat> and we probably will be tested on Friday, so we'll find out where we are there. Across the country, as you can see, people, based on the polling that we did last week and some of the pieces that we've put out, uh, that have been put out by others this week, is that they're being, you know, roughly four in ten people are going about doing what they thought they could or should be doing right now. Um, but I think that what's different about this is people are much more cautious because like the last wave, different from the last wave where it seemed to be people other than your own family getting it, this is very democratized. I mean, we've not only got it in our family, but there are friends whose kids have it and parents who have come down with it. There are workmates who have suddenly come down with it. So the difference between the last go-around and this one is that it's literally moved from somebody that you might hear about to somebody that you know. And I think we can probably count on our fingers, probably seven or eight people that we're aware of who have it in our own circle, whereas the last time we didn't know anybody. So this is here. It's real. If you're not vaccinated, I mean, all I can do is turn and say that I'm not sure I would have been able to sustain 105 and a half degree temperature for that period of time. And it's something we all have to be very concerned about. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting, John, you mentioned, uh, uh, I've seen the polls that said four in 10 people are going to continue with their plans. Uh, but, you know, that was done a week ago. And even I think even in the last week, I think it's kind of been sinking in. And I know that, you know, even very small plans that I had that I thought, eh, we can do that, you know, now sort of on second thought. Uh, there have been a couple of things, and not huge things, that we've canceled. The only thing I can see is that, yes, the, it's not only moving rapidly through our society as a virus, but also public opinion. 
Um, I, I The polls that I did a week ago, in fact, I've repeated this weekend, and I'll get the results back this afternoon sometime, so I'll have results out the next couple of days. But I think the impact of this, the lineups to get tested, the lineups to be very prudent now, I think this is sinking into the you know, the many people who have got uh, this, but they also see evidence of it moving, again, as I said, throughout the community and their own social network. So what's the point of an extra day? Well, you know, I I just say this. Look, my my parents were not terribly, we weren't terribly well off, and I can remember one year um, that we didn't know it as kids that we celebrated on January the 6th. They called it the Little Epiphany, and we went down to Honest Ed's and got to pick out a gift and bring it home, and that was great. Um, There's nothing to stop us from moving it just into the new year so that we're all safe and we make sure that we don't infect anybody else. It's just another day, but unfortunately, until we get a handle on this, this is the way it's going to be for a while. John, what about Shopping. I mean, again, I've. Uh, I think it, it, it was your poll that said that people are spending an average of six hundred and seventy-eight dollars. Yep. But have we had uh, shopping interrupt us with this? Yeah. Again, I think all of the polls that were done about a week and a half to two weeks ago certainly will have it. It, it will be impacted by all of this. But even in Canada and the United States, the polling that I do, we've seen the majority of purchases, about sixty percent, now move online over the last year or so. So it, it would seem that we've backed off a little a little bit this year compared to where we were two years ago. Um, but the big shift has been online so that we're all, again, closer to home and not out where we might be infected. Hmm. And it was interesting, you know, I, I did stop into a store yesterday because uh, it was on my way and it wasn't crowded at all. I, and And my plan was... If I see lots of people there, I'm turning around. Well, the next few days, let's put it this way, is really a choice for individuals to govern themselves accordingly. Um, when I mean, we oftentimes the people in this country are more informed on this topic than anything else of any other politician. I mean, you talk about trade, climate change, anything else, and we're kind of like. You know, we go about our lives and we hear a few things about it. Uh, but just based on what I've explained in my own personal experience, we are dialed in, tuned in. We know how many days it is to get a test, how many not, the potential impact of all of this. And we've learned to be an embedded society. So, I mean, right now, I think that there may be a percentage of people who are making their decisions to just go ahead because they've got, you know, houses that have done the tests and waiting and doing all the right things. But there's roughly 13 to 15 percent of people in this country who are not. And, and that is the difference here where we may see over the next number of days which numbers we should be paying attention to, whether the 4,000 or so that show up on the infected list in any morning in Ontario or some other part of the country, or whether it's the hospitalization and the ICU levels that we look at and how many of those people are unvaccinated. So <clears throat> I think we're going to start to shift our our vision as to which numbers are the most important. Uh, Bill, have you uh, done all your shopping? Yes, and most of it uh, done online this year for uh, obvious reasons. But we live not far from a very boutique shopping area, and uh, I walked on my daily walk by there the last uh, couple of days, and the number of shops, and it's, and it's an area that is uh, frequented mainly by uh, more mature uh, shoppers, and much, much emptier than any other season before, and walked by last evening, a number of the restaurants are closed, the others had very few people in them, you see a lot of takeout uh, going uh, in and out by uh, delivery people, but obviously uh, people of, of, of an age are staying home and staying, staying away from, uh, uh, from shopping and, uh, and eating out. Uh, Bill, and so have capacity limits been officially cut in Nova Scotia? I should be on top of it, uh, yeah, but I'm not. Yes, they, they, uh, they have been. And uh, so 50% uh, and uh, totally masked, except when uh, when actually actually eating. Uh, but uh, there, what the increase in uh, uh, in the number of cases? Uh, uh, Nova Scotia uh, yesterday had the largest single count since the beginning 
of the uh, pandemic. So that's causing people really to be uh, concerned and, and worried. David, what about the kind of the the psychological, are people kind of, in your opinion, just kind of rolling with it or not? I think there's a, a couple of things that are at work simultaneously, and it doesn't surprise me that big chunks of the population are trying to carry on, big chunks of the population are not trying to carry on. I think there's an information overload. I think there's a lack of context uh, in the uh, type of information and what it means and where we are that would enable you to either be optimistic or not. So, for example, uh, we're talking about caseloads. The highest number of cases on a single day since the start of COVID was 4,736 in April. Um, in December, for uh, two days yesterday, 4,177. So almost as many cases as the highest ever. But the highest number of hospitalizations since COVID in Ontario, 2,360. Yesterday, 820. Highest number of ICUs since the start of COVID in a single day, May 4th, 820. Yesterday, 146. So the same number of cases almost is producing a third as many uh, hospitalizations and a a sixth as many uh, ICU cases. So you could take the position, if you wanted to, that yes, this is going to spread. We can't stop it from spreading, but it doesn't look like it's as lethal as before, whereas in round one and round two, you know, if you got COVID, particularly if you were uh, a Zoomer, you were in serious trouble almost by definition or at high risk of being in serious trouble. Now it's like if everybody's going to get it anyway, if I can't tell when I walk down the street who might um, have it, who might be asymptomatic, who might have it and not report it because it comes and it goes and it, it looks and feels like a cold, all over the map is this information. And people are trying to, you know, make sense of it. And to me, I think the rational thing is get every shot you can, wear a mask, do everything you possibly can. But it doesn't look so far like it's the consequences of getting it are necessarily as severe. And I think a lot of people want want to believe that. And that's one of the reasons that they're, um, you know, trying to carry on. If you told me, you know, uh, we've got to keep all the cases of the common cold down, you said, well, we can't do that. I'm going to take my chances versus something more serious that looks like it could be fatal. So I think there's a lot of confusion about what these numbers mean and when they're trending. And, you know, uh, we're going to have 10,000 cases, which is one of the models that they've put out. Uh, I don't know. But I think people are trying to do their best with a very, very, uh, jumbled up uh, information landscape, frankly. Uh, you know, it, I think it's like a lot of other things in medicine where uh, we just don't know which case is going to be like a cold, which case is going to be nothing, and which is going to be extremely serious. And, uh, you know, coming up in our next segment, to promo it, we're going to be talking to Dr. Timothy Sly. Uh, and I'm curious about evidence, you know, um, is it... Uh, less virulent, as has been put forward, and as some epidemiologists have debunked, or is it just that people are vaccinated? So it's not preventing it from spreading, but it's it's making life a little better with it. Well, there is also, one other... Also, are we trying to flatten, I'm sorry, are we trying to flatten the curve, which was the original strategy, or are we trying to prevent all infections, period, which is a very different thing? And they flip-flopped on that. I think they're not trying to flatten the curve. Um, John, uh, I mean, I I must admit, you know, it's surprising to hear about a a very young, healthy person getting so sick. Well, there are a lot of university students, again, as I said, in our circles who have brought it home from Queens, Dalhousie, Western, and a lot of other places. So there's a young generation. But I think what we've known about it is as follows. Number one is it's incredibly infectious. Like, we just know that worldwide. Number two, in terms of the impact of this, it can vary vary from individual to individual, but it's less likely, as we've known, to um, have a severe impact on your health if you are vaccinated. I mean, that's a clinical truth. Um, 
So if you've got double vax, great. Um, if you are boosted, it's there's now <clears throat> a study that came out last night from the UK showing that that's a 75% impact on <clears throat> making sure that you are not severely. Um, it, it doesn't have that severe effect on your on your health. And I think we have to recognize something: that vaccines, in and of themselves, are not going to prevent you from being infected. I've been locked down for days with uh, my wife and uh, other daughter, and we may be carrying it, but we're just asymptomatic, so we're going to go and get tested. The, the real issue is whether or not you are you are one of those people who have it and that you are susceptible to the health impact of it. And i got to tell you... John, we're just losing you. Yeah, i, I got to tell you that for the people who are listening to us today who are uh, an old age, Taking the choice to make sure that you've got that booster in it could be uh, life saving. So that's what we know. You can get infected even if you have that vaccine. Uh, John, uh, we're going to have to uh, deal with your line because we're, you're dropping out. Sorry about that. Oh. Damn, I hate this. Hello? Hello. Now you're back. Sorry about that. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Oh, now you're dropping out again. Okay, we'll get we'll, we'll get back to you. I'm sorry about that. Let's take a call from Sam in Toronto. Hi, Sam. Hello. Happy holiday to you. Thank uh, you. And everybody else. Um, well, I have a, unfortunately, I had a first-hand uh, situation. Like my daughter, she's, uh, you know, around 24, 23, and uh, she, her friend, a friend of her friend, tested positive. So they informed me on Thursday that she tested positive for Omicron. And uh, what happened is that she uh, quarantined herself with her friend in her condo. She didn't come home that night. She said, I don't want to keep you in risk, you know. So they tested yesterday on Sunday, and her friend uh, tested positive. She tested negative. And I told her to come home, and we're going to go through procedures at home, even though uh, she, uh, her situation is iffy. I said, come home. Because they, the more she stays there, she might get actually, uh, you know, the virus from her. So even though I keep a very strict regimen, I wash everything from milk cartons to carrots, everything, uh, detergent, doesn't matter. Whatever comes to my house, I wash it. But I knew there is a weak link. You know, I'm weak link. I love my yeah. daughter, but, you know, things happen and then she can bring it. But uh, we have to deal with it. The best way we can. All these, uh, you know, vaccine deniers, maskers, all these, uh, you know, fringe groups, they should realize that there is no other option. At this point, there is no other option. You got a better option? I listen. Um, The best way is to keep cleaning, keep your mask on, get your vaccine shots, and, you know, carry on until this thing, uh, you know, gets a result. Sam, do you and your wife have boosters? Oh, okay. We lost Sam. So that was the question, too. I mean, I certainly understand parents wanting to bring their kids home and and keep them as safe as possible. Uh, I was just wondering if they have their boosters. John, do you do you have your booster? Yeah, I have my booster. My wife has a booster and uh, our daughter was supposed to get her booster tomorrow. So she's doubled. But uh, yeah, we're, we're fully up to date. Okay. Well, it's good we we have you back on a better line, John. Uh, Bill, uh, what's a booster shot uh, situation for you and other people in Halley? Most of that, certainly I have my booster shot, and most of the people I know have theirs or are getting it within uh, uh, just a few days uh, now, and they're going to be lowering the age range uh, uh, in many provinces, so even younger people are going to be able to get the booster, and that's something that uh, they're they're really uh, uh, pushing people to uh, think about. And there seems to be really good uptake on it. Yeah, I mean here there it's uh, boosters just opened up this morning for people 18 and over, and of course the lines are are full, if not crashing. Uh, people's appointments are one and two months out. Uh, David, um, is that putting a damper on things for people who have you know younger people in their family? Well, it's uh, it's certainly true. I mean, in our case, our youngest son, uh, who's uh 26 is tried to um, log in today and has faced a couple hour wait. Um, if, he, if he tries to book an appointment through the provincial system, the, the closest is like way 
far from where we live, like two months from now. So you're getting the usual teething problems of, you know, the supply isn't sure, the systems aren't set up. Uh, in my case, I didn't have any difficulty. I was not eligible for a booster till Saturday because of that six months, you know, from the time you get your second shot. And I have an appointment today. I mean, this afternoon I'll get my booster. So it, it happened pretty smoothly. But I think that the rollout and the implementation uh, is going to be very flaky, uh, for at least for the first week or so, and then it might settle in and people will have to be persistent and go after it. But, I, again, they don't have enough and they didn't, they didn't really have a, a rollout that was uh, terribly smooth here. Well, yeah, I think part of it is their IT. Uh, that's what happens, and I think I think they're having staffing problems. Uh, it, you know, I'm we're sure hearing not I'm just sure here, but in in other places about burnout from medical personnel. It's the holidays; people want a yeah. break. They're trying to bring in retired people. Um, you know, somebody has to be giving those shots, so it doesn't have to be an MD. Libby, that's a very good uh, point. One of the things that we haven't talked about today is the impact on uh, on on health services. And even though uh, we might uh, be able to have some confidence that uh, uh, that this is not as severe a virus or we won't get as as sick, what we see is happening right across the country is that uh, health workers are having to stay home because uh, because they have because of the increased. Uh, incidents and you put that on top of the already stretched uh, system and uh, surgeries are being cancelled uh, even more other uh, other appointments uh, that is having a direct effect whether or not uh, uh, it's going to solve the overall problem of the uh, pandemic it's certainly affecting health care services today hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, oh, I just uh, have a message from Zeev that Sam called back to say that he does not have a booster. So, yeah. Hopefully um, he'll get it. Hopefully he'll get it very soon. And uh, like he said, he's really careful. Um, he's really careful with everything in his house. So hopefully uh, he doesn't get it from his daughter. Uh, you know, that's interesting. We're planning to, you know get together with another couple and uh, we don't have kids, they don't have kids or university students or anyone in that kind of younger demographic and uh, you know um, honestly that makes me feel safe to do it. Yes. You know what's interesting? Sorry uh, John, go ahead. I was just going to say, think of where we were a year ago. You and I were actually on the air talking about how many people would be getting vaccines. And at this stage, 9% of Canadians said that they would get it between now and Christmas if it were available. And it wasn't until March that we saw a significant uptick when people had a chance to see what the impact of that vaccine in real time was on other people. Here we have, this Christmas, people lined up around the blocks. We have at, at our, our abilities to get um, booster shots. Uh, we have tests that can be done in home. You can buy them for 95 bucks and get 10 of them and bring them into your house and do them on your own. I mean, the, the, the tools that we have, and then to see that Pfizer is uh, now in, um, putting together a, a new pill, which should be distributed in the new year, which if you get this virus, all you have to do is take the pill so that it doesn't have, uh, you know, the, the impact on you. You think of where we were a year ago to where we are today. And what we have now is a public vigilance in making decisions which are far more based on science and, more importantly, on evidence. So the availability to deal with this now, I predict a year from now, outside of public opinion, that we will have some normalized aspect, even though it might be a little less normal, but the therapeutics, the the vaccines, everything else will be rolled into an incredible science within the next six to eight months, um, just based on where we were a year ago. It's, It's... incredibly remarkable when you really think about it. You know, it absolutely is. And um, I want to wrap things up on that note because, again, it's kind of a glass half empty, glass half full question. You say, look at where we were a year ago and we are so much better off today. But on the other hand, people were kind of expecting 
that we'd be just about done with this. And uh, so it's it's the balance between those things. So, uh, guys, uh, I, I wish you a glass-half-full kind of a Christmas, but let's go around and see what you want to leave us with, David. Well, I think... Uh I think back to what Sam said, uh, your caller, the, the rational thing to do is get every form of protection that you can. There's no reason not to. And then within that context, to try to find your way through in your individual circumstances to as close to normal or as satisfying an experience as you can have uh, over the holiday. You try to do the best of both, I think. Okay, Bill? Uh, this uh, this really has uh, brought and 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 uh, uh, increased the problem of isolation. This new situation now uh, with your older friends and loved ones. Make sure if you're not seeing them by person, you're reaching out by phone and any other way you you can to prevent this from being a very unhappy uh, Christmas for a lot of our uh, older Canadians across across the province. Okay, and John. Well, I can't add to what those two other gentlemen said, except the following. That is, if it's going to be half full or half empty, make sure it's a fine Canadian rye, because no matter whether it's half full or empty, it's still a fine Canadian rye. And, and John, uh, wishing you and your son and the rest of your family really uh, all the best, speedy recovery, all of that. Thank you, Mike. Sure. Uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Thanks, Christmas, everyone. everyone. Okay, uh, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have a little more on that. We'll try to get some of the science straight, some of the evidence straight, because as always with these things, there's all kinds of things that are floating around. Also, uh, I feel really badly for restaurant owners, because just when it seemed that they were getting back some of the lost business, this is kaboom. Uh, and we'll be talking to a restaurateur and uh, James Rylett from Restaurants Canada and try to see what's going on with that. When we come back, before we go to break, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And of course, we'll get to your calls when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.